0: The sermon which I have the privilege of reading to you is from the hand of Reverend R. Vermulen, minister currently serving the Canadian Reformed Church of Attercliffe. In relation to the text for this afternoon, which deals with the fourth petition, give us this day our daily bread, he has chosen Luke 11, the verses 1 to 13. Let us read that together. Luke 11, the verses 1 to 13. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. And he said to them, Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me, the door is now shut and my children are with me in bed, I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives, and the one who seeks, finds, and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So far. The text for this afternoon is Lord's Day 50, which you will find on page 562 in your book of praise. What is the fourth petition? Give us this day our daily bread. That is, provide us with all our bodily needs so that we may acknowledge that you are the only fountain of all good and that our care and labour and also your gifts cannot do us any good without your blessing. Grant, therefore, that we may withdraw our trust from all creatures and place it only in you. Dear congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, we, as God's people, totally acknowledge God's sovereignty over all of life. By clear and logical extension, that also means that we acknowledge that it is he who provides for all our physical needs. And that's why we don't hesitate for a moment to go to him in prayer to ask for healing if we are unwell. We ask, too, for the strength and stamina to go on. It's because we acknowledge God's sovereignty over all things and his provision in our life that we also go to him and petition him when we are running out of work. We ask him to provide work so that we can feed the family, support the church, pay school fees, etc. Because God is sovereign over all and a provider of all, we might also remember to ask God for wisdom when it comes to purchasing something like a new vehicle or an expensive piece of farm equipment. After all, those are major decisions. But given God's sovereignty and his provision for all of life, why is it that many of us, at least I am assuming that it's the case, many of us wouldn't think to ask God for wisdom and guidance when you are thinking of buying a family pet? say a dog for the family, pray about getting a family pet, that's kind of weird, we might think. And if God is the provider of all our needs, if he is sovereign over every single aspect of our lives, why don't we, assuming that many of us don't, think about going to God in prayer and asking him to give us the wisdom necessary to decide where and when to go on vacation? And have you ever prayed, for example, while at the mall because you are frustrated that you can't find the correct size winter coat for one of your kids? I bring you God's word about the petition, give us this day our daily bread. As that gospel is summarised here in this Lord's Day, we'll employ this thing. Our Saviour gives us the privilege of petitioning our Father for all the needs of our daily lives. And we'll consider, one, our reluctance to pray such petitions, two, our Saviour's desire that we pray such petitions, and three, our Father's answer to such petitions. Our reluctance to pray such petitions. When it comes to praying about the, let's call them the little things of life, we don't either think about doing it or else we don't think it's something big enough to make a matter for prayer. We tend to be reluctant to bring these little things to God in prayer. And that can be for a couple of reasons. The first is that we do not always have a theologically sound view of who God is. Answer 125 says that praying this petition ought to make us acknowledge that our Father in heaven is the fountain of all good. And we know that's true. But in our minds, we tend to connect God to the big things of our lives, like it makes total sense to all of us to pray for God's care over a little one that mum is carrying in her womb. A pregnancy is a big deal, and so we know that we need our Father in Heaven to watch over the little one. But then we hear one of our really young children pray, Lord, be with my kitten, and we smile knowingly. That's cute. We say, but often think subconsciously, not sure to need to bother God with your kitten. The little details of life just aren't on God's radar. But let's be clear. When the disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray, he said, verse 2, when you pray, say, Father, Father. And we know that any earthly father is concerned about the smallest details of his child's life. Of course, some things in his child's life warrant more attention, carry more weight. But that doesn't make a dad disinterested or unconcerned about the smaller, little details of his child's life. Well, how much more true that must be for our Heavenly Father. We know from Matthew 6 that our Father is concerned to make sure that the sparrows are fed. It is he who ensures that the lilies of the field are beautiful Our Father in heaven is Father also over the little details of our lives. But there's a second reason that we are sometimes reluctant to pray for the specific things in our lives. And this is one that we perhaps to really grapple with. It applies not just to the little things of our lives, but also to the bigger things. Our reluctance comes sometimes from realising that if we pray for God's will about something then if our Father makes his will clear to us, we might actually have to do what God requires. And sometimes our sinful natures resist that. (laughs) To illustrate, if you have a sinful tendency to show annoyance towards others, to then pray, Lord, I feel the tension rising, help me not to get annoyed, obliges you to follow through and do what you are asking God to help you to do and so in our sinful reasoning we say to ourselves I am not going to pray about my tendency to get annoyed because if I do I'll actually have to change and that's something that I really don't want to do and think about that also in relation to something that we might not normally think about bringing to God in prayer, vacation plans, Let's say you're considering an extended vacation. We tend to think that an extended holiday is something that falls well and truly outside of the bounds of, give us this day our daily bread. So much so that we don't really dare to go to God and ask for his will on the matter. And even if we do, we tend to make the decision, make the bookings and reservations, and then pray for God to bless our decisions. You see, that way we maintain control. At least we think we do. But the thing is, of course, our Heavenly Father wants to be involved much sooner than after the decisions have been made. And even if we remember to do that, we tend to pray perhaps, Lord, show us if we can afford it. Or even, Lord, Make it possible for us to afford it. Or, Father in heaven, please guide us as to where we ought to go on vacation. But brothers and sisters, if we pray that way, we are really, as I read somewhere, just asking God to be our advisor. We're asking God to bless the decisions we have already made. Or, asking God to take our decisions and perhaps tweak them a bit to make them better. We need rather to be asking god to help us make the right decisions in the first place perhaps like this father show me whether i need this holiday or father if i take this holiday will it be a stumbling block to my brothers and sisters who never seem to be able to afford a break or father give me wisdom to evaluate whether given me and my family's needs taking such a break at such an expense is right before you in light of the financial needs of this or that organisation. See, congregation, when we learn to pray that way, then we are approaching our Heavenly Father as our Lord and our Master, rather than just a good advisor. But, and that was the point, we are sometimes reluctant to do that because we prefer to be our own Master make our own decisions we're okay with having God as advisor but not always keen to have him as our Lord because that means that I have to surrender to his will when it becomes clear to me whatever the reason is brothers and sisters each one of us I'm sure either consciously or subconsciously can be reluctant to lay certain things before our father in heaven But, in the passage we read, Christ our Saviour makes it clear that we should pray for all things. Our Father in Heaven wants to be involved in all aspects of our lives, big or small. That's clear from this petition. We come to our second point. Our Saviour's desire that we pray such petitions... The disciples ask Luke 11 verse 1, Lord, teach us to pray. And Jesus' answer to that request is much more than just outlining the contents of prayer. He also goes on to explain a lot about the how-to of prayer. And notice, brothers and sisters, that when our Saviour begins to talk about the how-to of prayer in verses 5 and following... After he has outlined the contents of prayer in verses 2 to 4, he does not choose as an illustration some major event in someone's life. No. As subject of the parable in verses 5 to 8, he chooses to use bread, the stuff of the fourth petition. That's telling and wonderfully instructive. That's very instructive and illustrative for us. Our Saviour is telling us that he really does want us to bring before him things as mundane as bread and water. He is our Father and so wants to be part of every aspect of our lives. We belong to him, body and soul. And that is what we might call comprehensive ownership. God does not just have shares in our existence, a 70% stake or perhaps even a 99% stake. No. His ownership of us is total. He has a loving monopoly over our lives. And given that ownership, and given that our owner is none other than the one who gave up his life to become our master and Lord, there is nothing that goes on in my life that would not be of interest to him. After all, This life, my life, your life, cost him his life. That means, yes, even after something as simple as our daily bread, we are permitted, actually no, we are instructed to go to him, to go to him boldly. My loving master wants to know what I need so that he can supply it in his perfect and wise way. So... Yes, we go boldly to him in prayer also over the little things. And that's the point of this story. It's a bold thing to be doing and going to your neighbour at midnight, knocking on his door and asking for three loaves of bread. It's even bolder to keep knocking after being told to knock it off and go away. It's bold indeed to still keep knocking and knocking Until finally the neighbour relents, gets out of bed and gives you what you need. Don't misunderstand the point. It's not that your father needs to have his arm twisted in order to have him answer your petitions. Our Heavenly Father is is not at all like the man in the bed with his family. No, the point of Jesus' instruction here is that when we have needs... Even what we think are little ones, don't just drop hints to God, or worse still, don't assume God isn't bothered with those little things. Rather, boldly and shamelessly, with reverence, lay your needs before him. Speak to your father about your exam nervousness. Speak to him about the pressures you feel at being a busy mum. Speak to him about your frustration at not finding the right-sized winter coat for one of your kids. And keep laying those petitions before him, says Jesus, verse 9 and 10, and I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives, and the one who seeks, finds and to the one who knocks it will be opened the important takeaway from those verses for us this afternoon is this the original form of the three verbs there ask seek and knock they all indicate an ongoing action keep asking keep seeking keep knocking says jesus to his disciples Be persistent in your prayers for every aspect and facet of your lives. And when, brothers and sisters, we learn under the Spirit's Spirit's guidance to pray like that for all aspects of our lives, then we also learn to submit eagerly to Father's will for all of life. And that eagerness to submit to God's will just means that more and more of our life becomes blanketed by prayer as we seek for his direction for all of life. We have set times for prayer, for sure. But we also notice ourselves praying at all sorts of times and in all sorts of places. And then you find yourself praying in the laundry room and in the garage. And when you can't find the right size coat for your child, such a life saturated with prayer teaches us how incredible it is to have a father who is so intimately involved in all aspects of our lives. And then the motive for each petition is an ever-growing desire to simply do his will as we are taught in his word. We learn to increasingly follow the perfect example of the one who both taught us this petition and who died on the cross so that we might have our petitions answered. Christ prayed, Father, please take this cup from me, yet not my will, but your be done. And it's only because the father answered his son's very specific prayer in a very specific way that it is by saying, no, my son, you must go to the cross. It's only because he answered his son in that way that we now have a father to whom we can go, must go, want to go with every part of our lives. There is nothing in our lives that isn't worth praying about. There is nothing, no, nothing to which your father will say, my son, my daughter, don't bother me with that. And when in faith we realise that, when we are no longer reluctant to pray any petition in faith, Rather, we must pray boldly and regularly for all that we need, knowing that he who is sovereign over all parts of our lives, he who is interested in every aspect of the life he paid for his son's blood, he will answer in his perfect and wise and good way. Because it is true, every petition is answered. That is our final point. Our Father's answer to such petitions. Jesus' congregation wants us to be clear. Our Father in heaven does answer every petition, every prayer. Verse 11 to 13 make that wonderfully clear. If you or I are ever struggling with the notion that all our praying is ineffective, then we need to read and reread these verses. Jesus begins with an unimaginable scenario. Imagine Jesus looking at the fathers who are listening and saying, verse 11, you dads, if you've got a son who is hungry and asks for some fish to eat, would it even cross your mind to give him a snake? Or, if your boy asks for an egg, would you instead feed him a scorpion? Of course not. The answer is obvious. Well, dads, says Christ, you are sinful, but still you know how to give good gifts to your children. Then doesn't it follow logically that your Father in heaven, who is perfect and kind and loving and wise, doesn't it follow that your Father in heaven is able and willing to give you perfect gifts? Now, I know sometimes we struggle with this because sometimes our Father's perfect answer to our petition is something very different than what we would like. But then we prayerfully remember who our Father is, and that takes any reluctance away from laying our needs before Him because we know that we'll get the perfect answer. And in that sense, we can pray expectantly keep praying expectantly because God does answer and he answers perfectly. It's true. That doesn't mean that we don't struggle with God's answers to our prayers at times. It also remains true that from our perspective, it is as if some of our petitions remain unanswered. You might have had it after regular, reverent, bold and honest prayer. That nothing seems to change that can be hard for sure but what then isn't what the bible says about prayer true what about you might want to ask 1 john 5 verse 14 and this is the confidence that we have toward him that if we ask anything according to his will he hears us and what of psalm 37 verse 4 Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. You hear verses like that, as well as those of our scripture readings this afternoon, and you might say, I pray. I do pray also for specific things, even the little things. I do that earnestly and honestly from a position of faith. But I don't always sense that God is answering and it's also true when sometimes he does answer I'm not sure I like it first of all brothers and sisters be encouraged that at times our father and his wisdom sees fit to not grant what we are asking or until very long after we would have liked to receive his answer think just of Abram and Sarah how long they prayed for a child It wasn't until many, many years later that God answered that prayer by granting the child. He asked on the basis of his perfect wisdom, a wisdom that is infinitely superior to ours. What makes no sense at all to us makes perfect sense to him. But then this too, and this is important, we also need to understand And believe that his perfect gift to us in answer to our petitions might be a greater dependence on him. Trials grows steadfastness. Perhaps Father's answer to our earnest and repeat petitions is to grow us in steadfastness. To illustrate, say you have an annoying colleague in the office or on the job site. A person that just gets under your nerves because of their behaviour. And we pray and we pray about it, but nothing changes. They keep being who they are. And you are praying that they change or maybe even that they leave. But they don't change. And they don't leave. And God doesn't seem to be answering. Instead, day after day, you are stuck on the same job site with him or in the same office with him, putting up with the same obnoxious behaviour. Is God then not answering your prayer? True. Father, is not answering that prayer in the way that you had hoped and perhaps even anticipated. But it does not mean that God is not answering. Perhaps his answer is to leave things exactly the way that they are so that you learn more patience, learn to trust in God's grace and to show that same grace more and more. Perhaps God's answer is your growth in steadfastness. Remember Paul's thorn in the flesh? 2 Corinthians 12 verse 8. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But, as we know, God's answer to Paul's persistent and bold prayer was not to remove the thorn from the flesh. Instead, his Father in heaven said to him, But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Understand that answer for Paul was not some sort of consolation prize. It wasn't at all. Sorry, Paul, but this is the best I can do. Just depend on my grace. No, nothing like that at all. Because, think about it. What a blessed thing to have your Father in heaven teach you. And that's what answer 125 says is one of the blessings that comes from God, answering our petition for daily bread. Grant therefore that we may withdraw our trust from all creatures and place it only in you. We understand it. Trusting in God completely in the face of seemingly unanswered prayers especially when going through long-term trials that's hard but it's precisely that that makes the last part of what jesus said to his disciples so powerful and some of you will know where this is going either because you've noticed it before or else because someone has shared this point with you before But if you have your Bible handy, look with me again at the last verse of our reading, verse 13. We've just been instructed by our Saviour to ask, to seek, to knock. We've just been reassured by our Saviour that the one who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks has the door opened. Which means that, yes, Every petition is answered. Taking even the smallest of matters to him comes with the reassurance that he is listening, interested. And then, listen now. The answer to each and every petition we lay before him is at least this, verse 13. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit? to those who ask him? Maybe you are even a bit disappointed with that answer. The Heavenly Father will give you the Holy Spirit. Our sinful selves would have preferred it if Jesus had said something like, how much more will your Father in Heaven give you exactly what you asked for? Right down to the petitions about the little things in life. But that's not what Jesus says. He says something infinitely richer. Talk about the good and perfect gift. Talk about the good and perfect answer to each and every petition. Of all the gifts that God could give us in answer to our prayers, none is greater than the gift of the Holy Spirit. There is no greater gift. There is no better answer to any petition than the promise of His Spirit. No greater gift, because it is the gift of the person of the Holy Spirit living in me, who then teaches me the great truths about our Father in heaven and his good and perfect care in our lives. The Spirit, through the Word, teaches us to take, without hesitation, all our big and little things to him in prayer. It is only the Holy Spirit who then works powerfully in us so that however God in his wisdom sees fit to respond to my petitions, I know and believe this. I am granted his spirit through whose work in me I am able to accept and grow from how my father directs my life. And then this too. It's the gift of his spirit who reminds me again and again. Answer 125. That my father is indeed the only fountain of all good if we are blessed with the spirit then we have every one of our petitions answered amen let us sing hymn 78 to verses 1